Okay, we're recording. Yeah. Okay. The lines just look really small. I didn't think it was picking anything up. Sorry. What was it right. doing? Um, <laughs> uh, it's because I, I've got it minimised, so it's the extra person on the screen that's thrown out the whole oh, yeah, it's... way. It's just weird. It looks like some crazy, you know, the fairground horses that you like. You put your bet on number two. Mine's going slightly quicker than everybody else's, and if it's just because it's like it's my one, and I'm just like, yes, I'm about to win. Yeah, because well, you're weirdly. speaking. Yeah, yeah. So then mine's the same um, with mine's the same width as yours. Now. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Give me one of these nights. There we go. Super. It's always worth starting recording just before we start the actual <laughs> recording, isn't it? Oh no, no. Uh... <laughs> I won't even look in this time. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's well in the world right now. Hi everybody, Matt Guy here. Hope we're all doing well. Still in morning, Avenue now, or are we really? Hello everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and we here joined with a fourth. We've got Tara from the Killing podcast and all round great of Twitter. Tara, how are we this evening? Hello. Yes, um, it's a bit weird to be called a great of Twitter, but I'll take it. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Excellent. Obviously, if you follow us on Twitter, you will have seen us corresponding with Tara many a time. She's always worth a follow. Oh, cheers, lads. And she knows her horror, which is very much how we've all bonded, I think. Yeah. So, Tara, you know the drill. You're a long-time listener, so you know we've got to ask you the three questions. So, first up, what is your favourite cage, either your cage film or favourite cage performance? Because I don't think they're necessarily the same thing. Um, well, I, when I was a kid, my first thing I remember seeing him in was Peggy Sue Got Married. And I'm a real sucker for 1950s stuff, and that's like Kathleen Turner. Um, gets hit on the head and she goes back to the 50s and he's like her boyfriend and um, but yeah so that's the first thing I remember seeing him in and I've got a real soft spot for it but um, I don't think you can beat his performance in Mandy for just sheer what mm. the fuckness yeah we, we haven't done that one yet obviously I'm really looking forward to getting into that one I watched it not long after we did Colour Out of Space Colour Out of Space is, is great as well it's standing yeah when you go to the cinema, what is your snack? Are you sweet, salted popcorn, no popcorn? Um, Where do you go? Well, you're going to hate me because it's salted popcorn all the way. Oh, yes. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> that's the right answer. <laughs> Unless I go to the electric when it's with the text service and I get it's a bottle of wine and some bar snacks. So they actively encourage you to get your phone out it's what you have you never been to the electric in birmingham i haven't no right, and okay this doesn't make me want to, to no, be honest. well there are seats at the back and seats at the front and they're they're like cost a bit more because it's like waiter service so yeah you but they people around you can't see you just you just text to a number what you want what the name of your sofa and they bring it to you during the film okay that's not quite as bad as I was envisioning. No, then, it's to pretty be good, actually. <laughs> and finally, if you can only watch one film for the rest of your life, what film are you watching? Singing in the Rain. 
oh, what a film. It's my absolute favourite. I could, I mean, I am mainly about horror, but that is like my absolute favourite film in the whole world. It's such a joyful movie, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I loved it. I watched it for a podcast where they were going through the AFI Top 100. Mm. And when they got to that episode, I, was, I thought, I've got to watch it because they're doing it. But I didn't expect anything. And it was genuinely a really funny it and is, fun movie. It's funny and it's um, of its time because it was around uh, the introduction of talkies and people like Lena Lamont, who looked amazing but had really dreadful voices. And she had mm. to be overdubbed. But no, it's brilliant. And of course, who doesn't love a bit of Gene Kelly action? Absolutely. You could some solid choices there. You, you could say that the Eurovision movie is kind of the spiritual successor, couldn't you, Andy? No. <laughs> <laughs> Are you on crack? No chance. <laughs> I, I don't get the fascination with that movie. I really don't get it. I thought it was okay. I thought it was a bit yeah. too long. Um but Alexander Ryback was in it, and it's always good to see him. Fairy tale. Mm. Yes. Of course. <laughs> to be educated amongst them. Yeah. So we're here because it is a top fives episode, and we are looking at the top five strong female leads, our favourite female characters in any movie of any genre. There really is no caveats this time. Just as long as they are female, that is all good by us. So I'll start off, then we'll go to Stuart, Matthew, Ooh. and then Tara, and then back to me. My trouble. Formal today. <laughs> <You're still laughs> just, just because we've got royalty on our presence doesn't mean we have to speak properly. Is this, if, if this is going to be how it's going to be, <laughs> I may as well just go now. I've only just noticed in your background that we've got the Freddy Krueger handpiece. Yeah. That's really quite cool. There's um, a photograph of me and Robert England as well. And there's an autograph and stuff too. Yeah. Ah, superb. So Ash Dolan, who was on the uh, the Wrestlers podcast with us um, a, few, a couple of months back now, he was in a movie with Robert England. He did, they did a film and they filmed at the cinema in Chester where Ash used to work. And yeah, he was, um, wow. there is a picture of him floating around having appeared in a movie with him, which is quite the claim to fame. That's pretty great. Oh, mm. hate him now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, my first pick, it's going to be Sarah, played by Jennifer Connelly from the film Labyrinth. I've, I've gone, my list, it's got a little bit of everything. I thought I'm going to go for a, a different genre pretty much for each one. So for the fantasy genre, I don't think there's a better person to pick than Sarah, the woman who tried to correct the error of her ways, wishing her way her brother to the Goblin King, and then goes on this wondrous, wonderful journey throughout the labyrinth to recapture him from Jareth. I mean, just aside from her performance, which I thought was superb, the whole movie is great. The music is just top-notch. For my books, it, it's one of the best mu musicals that isn't really a musical. Mm. So, yeah, Sarah, Labyrinth. I haven't, I haven't seen that. I mean, we talked about both for a long time, but I ain't seen that for years. I had. We really need to. We, we need to do an episode on it, really. Because I'm really old. I saw it at the pictures when it first came out, and then I didn't see it again until I was about thirty-nine. 
So it was that long. I mean, obviously, I went to a fancy dress party. My friend went as Jarrus and she had like a, a carrot down her trousers, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it's, it's superb. It's a tremendous film. Is it? It really is. <laughs> no, no it fall, I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what it is with me. It falls into that category of like when I used to be in uni, people, when I, when I, people who I'd live with would have like breakfast club and that posters up on the wall and it channels my one of my favorite lines at the IT crowd where it's oh it's set in the 80s <laughs> and it's I know it's not set in the 80s but like <laughs> I don't know I think it just falls into that bracket of it where I've just I've just um it's not my type it's like the goonies oh, the, come on. I think you've got to, I think you've got to be you've got to have lived it as a, you've got to have enjoyed it as a child to take it then into then enjoy it in the future I've only seen The Goonies mm. once and I was a bit meh about the whole thing. Yeah, I, I saw The Goonies. Cause it, it's the kind of film I remember them doing. Like an, <laughs> an Easter, <laughs> it's an Easter bank holiday kind of film, The Goonies. Mm. And I, I associate it with that. Yeah, and I think I saw it back in the 80s and I've always wanted to re-watch it but just never got around to it. But anyway, that's a discussion for another time. Stu, who's your number five, please? Well, from the 80s to a setting of the uh, American Civil War in 2017, which obviously didn't happen. Um, <laughs> from a film from 1996, and it's barbed wire. And, <laughs> and it's not for the obvious reason of massive tits, but it was the first, it was the first film. <laughs> uh, it was the first film that I, I remember after what after being brought upon a, a staple of eighties, well, bro films like Commando and all that kind of thing. To actually think, yeah, it's Pamela Anderson, and we know why she's in this film. Um, but to actually see it being something other than just the eye candy, and yeah, it, it's quite shit. But when we said when we came up with this li- list, that was the first film that came to my head. As I mean, uh, maybe I was taking it literally of the strung being physically strong, but there's just something about that film. It's probably really, really shit now, and I haven't seen it for years, but yeah, there's, it's it's probably in the uh, in the room kind of levels of awfulness, but mm. her kind of strong, strong woman persona, which is probably very exploitative and terrible now. Of course now. it is. You're only but, uh, saying that because if she gave you a boner. Oh, I had Pammy posters. Everyone had Pammy posters. It's just the rules. <laughs> I mean, for people of our age, so we'd have been like, what, 13 when that came out, Stu. It, she really wasn't an icon of that sort of exploitation genre. So I do kind of get where you're coming from. And I, I watched that film not that long ago, actually. And it's it's trash, but I have seen a lot worse exploitation from bigger name directors. Like Sucker Punch is a worse exploitation of women than Barbed Wire was. Like, I don't think it's quite as bad as was made out. It's just very much of its time. Have you seen that uh, Snyder's come out and said he thinks a a Snyder cut of Sucker Punch would work? He he can turn it around. (laughs) Fucking hell. I just think he needs to stop. (laughs) For a bit, like. He does need a break, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, Sucker Punch is one of the worst films I've seen, but I think that is very much his work i don't think someone else has taken the edit off him as far as i was aware so yeah he needs to leave that and pretend it didn't happen i think he's cutting himself (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
That's what they should do, is just cut the whole movie. Really. That's, <laughs> From that's existence. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, your number five, please. My number five, uh, Charlie's Ferron's performance as Furiosa from Mad Max Fury Road. Um, <clears throat> pardon me, sorry, frog in my throat. Um, basically, I like that, you know, Mad Max Fury Road is going to be remembered for a lot of things. Obviously, the mad lag- landscapes, the the cars, the bloke who looks like he's out of Borderlands on the f- banging a drum on the front of a big <laughs> moving ve- vehicle. Um, but Furiosa is really a spiritual successor to people that we're going to mention on this list anyway, so I don't want to give away any spoilers, but I just think like the, the intelligence, the wit, the um, ingenuity of the character, they're mixed with the reasons for why she's doing the things that she's doing, and then the fact that, that she isn't sexualized at all. That's not to say that it's a bad thing when someone's sexualized in a, in a film, because that's completely not the message I'm putting out there, but... It's it's never done. It's never done in a way that's meant to be. Oh well, this is eye candy, and that's the only reason why you should support this character. It's not done in that way at all. I think that she's the star of the film, and my fear is them doing a prequel about her will do more harm than good. Is this a thing? <laughs> Some, yeah, yeah, it's a thing. It's in twenty twenty three. It's going to be out. Yeah. God. Oh, I didn't know Fuck that. Is that going to be George Miller doing that as well? You see, or... I'm not sure, but it, it's it's on about it being like pre-apocalyptic. Oh, so a completely like yeah. far removed from what made Mad Max Fury Road, like the high octane adrenaline fueled piece that we enjoy. That's not going to be her then, is he? It can't be. Um, no, I think they're on about, they're on about having the, uh, I can't remember her name, the one that was in there, the Queen's Gambit. Yeah. Yeah. The witch. Mm. Which um, I don't like the sound of that at all. No, but no. you know, leave alone. Everything's leave alone. <laughs> I, I, the thing I loved about Fury Road is all of the marketing was set towards um, Mad Max. Obviously, it is Mad Max Fury Road, mm-hmm. and really, he's very much a bit part player in that movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and that's what you know. To, to coin a wrestling term, that'll put the butts in the seats. <laughs> kind of thing mm. but actually if you look at the the real heroes the real difference makers in in that film it's not mad max and that's what i enjoy about ferron's performance she she completely steals steals the scenes all the time she's in it mm, definitely superb that's tara you're number yeah. five um yeah mine is um I... I think i told you i had a list of about 15 and it was really <laughs> difficult to cut down um, but my number five is um, Lupita Nyong'o as Adelaide in Us. Brilliant. Because Brilliant she's movie. fucking badass. But also, you could also have her character read like the other, the flip side, because she was, it was, it was difficult to choose, but I went with the, um, I went with the good side. <laughs> um, she's just, she's an outstanding actor. And her performance in that was just, you know, and she was the strongest of the family. You know, she's married to that guy who's like enormous, but he gets taken out the first go and she manages to get shit done. Mm. Yeah, she's, I mean, I I love her in everything I've seen her in, but I, I think it was a disgrace that she wasn't nominated for an Oscar for that because not only was she superb as Adelaide, but she put in a hell of a performance as Red. Yeah. It, it was such an incredible 
like what two hour movie yeah. just of her performance yeah. and she was like severely like she didn't get the respect she was due. Horror doesn't movie, I though. Think. I mean, no, I, no, you are right. Julianne Moore deserved. Um, no, sorry, Tony Collette deserved an Oscar nom for Hereditary, and she didn't get it. Yeah. And um, Florence Pugh for Midsummer, she didn't get that. Yeah. So I, I will die on that hill. Midsummer <laughs> is just yeah. such a fucking love that movie. <laughs> have, you, have you seen it yet, Matt? No, no, I'm not. Um... You won't be scared. Don't worry. <laughs> um, well, you, you say that, mate. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's not scary though. Is it? It's, it's just fucked up. Eerie. It's harrowing. Yeah. That's yeah. That's the word. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I need to do? I need. I need to put down Final Fantasy X. I need to put down Yakuza. <laughs> I need to put down FIFA. And just give me a list. Each of you, give me a list of three films to watch over the next few weeks, and I'll get them watched. <laughs> not Hamilton. I can give you eight. <laughs> no, I'm not watching fucking Fast and the Furious. I'm not doing it. Oh, I'm with you there. Yeah, fuck that noise. No yeah, chance. Oh, so good. I mean, I I could easily have done this list with some of the female characters from Fast and Furious. Uh, yeah, I'd... like Letty. Letty yeah. is a good, strong female character. Well, let's just get it out there because Letty was one of my honourable mentions. Yeah, like. I think she's excellent, and Gal Gadot's character, um, Giselle, I thought she was superb in the film she was into. So, like, really, even though, again, that is something from the exploitation genre, I do think that the representation of women is decent in Fast and Furious. And a lot of those B-movies, they do generally just have them there as eye candy. Mm. There, there are a lot more offensive films out there than Fast and Furious. Yeah. There are other issues with Fast and Furious, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but that isn't one of them for me. Uh, so we're back to myself, um, and I'm going into the world of animation for my, my next character. And it's a character who was hamstrung by her past, who decided to go out onto the oceans to find her own way in spite of what everyone told her. And that is Moana. Yes. Oh, I think she's such a good character. And I, I jokingly said to um, Ash Dolan, who we've already mentioned once on here, um, I said I I might put Ariel in from The Little Mermaid. Hmm. But he pointed out she gave her voice up for Dick. (laughs) She's a terrible role model. She is. She she genuinely is awful. She she changed her whole being for who she, because she wanted to be with a man. Whereas Moana wasn't about that. Moana was about being held back by her past, but she saw her future out in the wider world and she went and got that. And I think that is such a positive message to put out there, not just for women, but just for everybody to not let your history define your future i think that's fantastic i still so, moana's mine i still haven't seen it but i have noticed that i say you're welcome a lot more now to people because <laughs> 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 I, I do watch the i do watch the clip of um what's his name not maui. Uh, yeah him maui doing that i do watch that quite a lot and it's on a few playlists of mine but yeah i do find mm-hmm. myself and i blame the rock for that sorry Dwayne johnson no, no, it's The Rock. We accept The Rock in these uh, these parts. <laughs> just, just get Disney Plus and just watch it all. Got Disney Plus. Well, there's no, there's no excuse for it. Yeah, no excuse. <laughs> it, it, they've got it on 4K on there, and it yeah. is some of the most stunning animation I've seen. It is absolutely gorgeous. But yeah, top film. Stu, your number four, please. My number four, which I put down, was I think something that... I mean, when you advertise LucasAid, that's the pinnacle <laughs> And it, I, it is, <laughs> yeah. The pennies finally dropped. <laughs> it had to be Lara Croft. Changed everything, and it's, it's, it's again. 
No. To start with, but they're tri- they were triangular, and they, they, they actually rounded them out for the second film because they re- they re- figured out how to do the polygons better. Just a little fun fact there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but she did start out as that, and you, the, it's slightly cheating because but there is three films based on her. Not great, but there is. Um, but just for what happened, what that whole movement did for female gamers, because they didn't have mm. anyone before that at all. There was no one, and yeah, she was obviously there for and she looked like she looked for a reason but not anymore not in the new ones she looks like a normal girl now um and uh, say the name of her i can't say alicia vikander that's the one um she's very much the complete opposite of what laura croft from 1996 was so going from that portrayal of it and say laura croft cultural phenomenon as she was at the time important and a good action film as well. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I I had very very low hopes of that movie, and it far exceeded far exceeded them. I think it was a, a decent portrayal of a character. And as you say, if you just look at the legacy of the games before Lara Croft, the quote unquote girls characters would have been stuff like Spyro. <laughs> like you know, a, a, a female could never have seen themselves in a game, whereas. Men, we've got millions upon millions of characters we can identify with. So it, it does make a difference, I think, having that representation. So oh, I think that's a really good choice, actually, Lara Croft. Matt, you're number four. I've gone with... I was, I was about to do the impression, then I've sort of stopped myself. Clarice. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so bad. That's so bad. <laughs> I didn't try the Chianti thing either, but no, I've gone for Clarice. Uh, Clarice Starling from uh, Silence of the Lambs. Um, it was Jodie, Jodie Foster, basically. Um, what I really enjoyed about um, her her character, the portrayal, and, and what makes her a strong female lead is that she gets the... What, who, who she's going after... Is, is only half the battle that, that she faces. She faces um, chauvinists and she faces um, inequality all the way through the film to the point where is Buffalo Bill the villain <laughs> like <laughs> half the time? Because that's the, there's, there's, wi- there's wider things at play, at play here that, that the film's trying to portray and that, that she's able to get the, the job done and she's a strong woman because of that, in spite of these people, not because of them. Um, and I just think it's uh, underrated that side of it because you're obviously going to just look at that film for for Hannibal and and its horror it, it, it's it's horror or thriller elements and the character I don't think it gets talked about enough how strong actually Clarice Starling is as a lead as a leading lady is in this film. Hmm. Yeah. Are you um? Right. Are you only counting Jodie Foster's version? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I'm not saying the films like don't exist after that, but it's very much the my feelings on Alien and Aliens in Silence of the Lambs and and Hannibal. So, have you seen the, the series yet? Because it's on my list. I just don't. Oh. I've seen the I've seen the first series. I really enjoyed it as well. I don't know why I didn't carry on. No, no, not, not Hannibal. Um, Clarice. Oh no, no, I haven't. No. Yeah, exactly. The ha- Hannibal the series is superb. I watched the first 20 minutes of the first episode of Clarice and it, I don't know, it just didn't do it for me to be perfectly honest. So I, I didn't carry on with that one. Mm. Uh, so number four for you, please, Tara. Um, it's Carrie White from the film Carrie. Um, 
I don't have telekinetic powers, but I saw, uh, no, I saw an awful, I, I see, I, I read the book as well. I see an awful lot of myself because I was bullied every day at school for being different. Um, and if I had telekinetic powers, I would fuck a load of bitches up. <laughs> so, you know, she's, you know, she's mega and she's just so, and she looks so beautiful when she goes to prom and then everything just goes tits up and. It's not good, but no, she, yeah, more power to her. How do you feel about the, the 2013 version compared to the to the original? Oh, with Chloe Grace Moretz. It was fine, yeah. like, but, you know, they they added bits in um, that were unnecessary, like um, there was that British boy band called Union J, and, like, her is <laughs> a sleepover with her girlfriends, and they're like, oh, Union J, and I was like, why have you fucking crowbarred that in? That's not, they won't be around. But um, it was fine. Like I didn't hate it, um, and I yeah, I, it was it was okay. It was they remade it again. Um, I think was it? Oh God, I think Faruza Bulk played her as well. Maybe or I might be misremembering okay. who played her. But um, I haven't seen that one. But yeah, I quite it was it was fine. The remake. Unoffensive. Yeah. Yeah. Satisfactory. I didn't, like, I didn't hate it. Like I'm not so violently against it like I was the reboot of Nightmare on Elm Street, where I <laughs> came out of that with my friend Tom, and we were trying to talk ourselves into, oh, well, I enjoyed it, but there was a question in our voices. <laughs> um, and then like, we went to the pub um, with my husband, and he was like, "What was it like?" And I went, "It was okay." And he went, "You fucking hated it, didn't you?" I went, "Oh no, no, it was." And, <laughs> and then I tried to watch it again recently, and it was just absolute fucking dog shit. So it wasn't that bad. <laughs> Carrie was like fine. Yeah, I'm a, I had the same feeling coming out of the last Jedi, to be honest. Mm, I, I felt that way about almost all of the Star Wars films. <laughs> Like, since, apart from the original three, which obviously I'm too young to have seen, I've come out of all of them and I've questioned them. And, yeah, I, I do get that feeling. I, I completely know where you're coming from mm. with that one. Mm. So my number three, I've gone to the world of comics, but it's probably not the one you're thinking it's going to be. I've gone with Knives Chow from Scott Pilgrim. So, I mean, I think it'd be quite easy to go with Ramona Flowers because obviously she's the main girl. She's the one who Scott goes on the journey with to defeat her evil exes to to win her heart. But actually, she's a bitch. The, <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't. Know, I love Ramona Flowers. She's the dream pixie girl. But Knives Cherry is the one who has the real story there. She's the one who gets her heart broken, who blames Ramona for that only to realise that actually, no, it's not Ramona who's done that. It's Scott who's broke her heart. And it's her journey into discovery of that, that she gave her heart to the wrong person and actually he doesn't deserve her. She is the badass in that film. Mm. She's the the strongest character out of everybody in that whole movie. So, yeah, I I thought Ellen Wong was fantastic. And then she's gone on to be in Glow, which is a... A series yes. that I absolutely adored, and she was mm-hmm. superb in that. So I've, I've become a bit of a, a stan for Ellen Wong. Uh, so my number three, Knives Chow. Stu, number three for yourself. When you don't need a name, says it all day, and it's The Bride from Kill Bill 1 and 2. I just thought when just the whole wearing that suit, a woman wearing that suit, mm. 
after everything it represented from the 70s. And yeah, it's Tarantino being Tarantino about things, but I just don't think she was class in both in both of them. No, I mean, I, I know a lot of people don't like the second part as much, but I just thought she was great. And it was stuff I hadn't really seen before at that point, which I know it was a lot of wild work, but was it was it before or after Crouching Tiger? It was after. It I was think. 2003, so I think so it was after. after. Great, Yeah, so apart from that, there was hardly, if you're talking mainstream stuff, there was hardly any of it really around. And then for it to flip it on its head and go with a woman doing it, and a woman mm-hmm. wearing Bruce Lee's outfit, and then and we were talking about um, running shoes last week and Asics. Asics running shoes in that film. Um, mm. Yeah, I just thought she was great. And... I did have to go and buy a pair myself. <laughs> well, the yellow suit or the uh, just the trainer. So, oh, if you get if you find me the yellow suit, I'll obviously wear it. But I ain't been able to find the uh, the whole thing. We have seen you worse, to be fair, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, Tarantino doesn't have a great track record with his representation of women, but there's something about how he manages to portray Uma Thurman is always excellent even as um, Mia Wallace like he does a great job there as well so I think it's just that he knows how to get the best out of her but he doesn't necessarily do the best with other women who do have a reputation for just being there to look pretty like uh, Margot Robbie I think they could have done so much more with her Mm. in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Um, but yeah the bride was on my list up until the very last go round, so I, I do think that's a, a cracking she was, choice. She was on mine as well. She was on my list. Mm. So, Matt, your number three, please. This is from Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> it is Matilda from uh, from Leon, the professional, and I won't have it called anything else. <laughs> um, I just think a couple of things um, about Natalie performances. Latterly Portman's performance as um, Matilda. Sarah Gosling um, on Little White Lies did a really great article about the um, the importance and the symbolism of like the choker that she wears around her neck and how it's like uh, representative of like the kind of power of this um, otherwise vulnerable young girl um, who's kind of forced to be old before her time, um, and that without it she's kind of like naked and vulnerable. Um, but with it is a source, like kind of a source of power, almost like a superpower. So if you if you, if you like the film as much as I do, go you know reach out to read it. It's really really interesting. Um, what I love about this character is is that it really is a how do I put it? I don't know if have any of you seen the like the the the, the I think it's the director's cut or an extended cut when they're having a um, a date a date a date in like a, a meal in a restaurant and she basically says. Will you fuck me, to Leon? Yeah, that's the only um, version I've ever seen. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. okay. So, the, so the version, like the versions I'd ever seen, were like they, that was it. That was not in it. So when I when I saw it, I was like, "What in the shit balls <laughs> is going on here? This is wrong." But like, she's just so strong and powerful as a person that she makes Leon this cold-hearted ice man just incredibly uncomfortable all the time and makes him giddy with excitement and actually enjoy and love life and what's what's not stronger than that to be able to do that to a person to be able to make somebody who is as cold and can't sleep at night for fear of what's going to happen to them actually find joy in the world i mean that's something that we should all aim to do with somebody else and she, she does it and she's a she's a 12 year old girl yeah. there's nothing stronger than that mm. then taking the fact that she's just a fucking badass in general 
and you've got the recipe for something wonderful. Mm. And that's how I feel about Matilda in this in this film. I'm amazed that was Natalie Portman's debut movie. I didn't realise that. Hmm. Yeah. Incredible. Oh, I, I, I just yeah. think she's. I, I, honestly, it's, I watched that film, and, it, and, and what the sign of a great film for me is something that it doesn't have to. I don't have to watch it because I want to watch blood and guts. I can watch it sometimes just because I want to see. I want a bit of humour, and there is that in it. Or I want. I want nineties cheesy. I can watch it because I can watch Leon, but her performance in it really enhances um, the viewing for me. I think she's fantastic in it, and the character is fantastic yeah. as well. Mm. I, I love Natalie Portman. I think she's just wonderful in everything she does. Mm. I really can't wait to see her as Thor. How they're going to go with that? I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. So that story arc was quite interesting in the comics. So I hope they can bring that to the big screen. And obviously with Taika Waititi doing it, oh, I've got high hopes for that movie, I've got to be honest. Um, everything she does? I mean, Padme, obviously, <laughs> we're talking about here. She is not bad in that movie, in fairness. The films aren't good, but she is a good actor within those movies. Like Closer, Closer is a dog shit film. But her and Clive Owen are both fantastic in it. It's just Julia Roberts and Jude Law who phone in their performances. So she's always good. I don't think I would ever say she's anything less than an 8 out of 10. It just might be the rest of the film doesn't quite support her performance. Hmm. Fair enough. That's my justification. Fair enough. Because the character she played was supposed to be stony and, you know, so I think she did a, a good job with really stilted dialogue. That's my defence of it anyway. <laughs> but I'm saying that, don't watch those films. They're fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're still on number three and it's with you, please, Tara. Um, it's Elizabeth Salander from the uh, Millennium Trilogy movie. So the girl with the dragon tattoo. Um, the I can't remember the second one, but the girl who kicked the hornet's nest. Haven't gone about my way to read the new ones because... Fuck that noise. Steve Larson died and his idea died with him. Um, but new I haven't watched the David Fincher remake with um Rooney Mara and Daniel Craig because I didn't see the point because they went to Sweden to film it, but all in English. Um so I watched <laughs> I watched the original ones with uh Numi Rapace and uh Mikkel Blomquist and she's just so like she's such an oddball. She's a hacker, um She's just, she's a detestable, awful, horrible human being. Um, and then, like, they think she's mental, and so she has a, so like, a conservatorship, you know, like Britney's got, bless her. Um, and, but her, he takes advantage of her and rapes her, and she gets her revenge. And it's just, she's just, and you, you have to try and feel for her because she's so dislikable, but she doesn't give a fuck. She just doesn't care. And she was like, I just thought, you know what, I've got to have her on my list because she's just, she's mm-hmm. cool as fuck as well. So that's, mm. that's mine. I ain't seen them. I, have to, you know, I, have to say, I haven't seen any of them. I haven't seen the originals or the Fincher one. And I, I do like Fincher, but yeah. Matt, have you seen any of them? Uh, I've seen, I've seen one of them in passing and I can't remember which one. It's just never really... I, I, as, as terrible as this may seem, it's always felt like th- those films were never meant for me. 
they were never meant to be my target. That I'm not the target audience for them. Therefore, I've not mm. ventured into them. Hence, the reason why I won't have my intelligence questioned by uh, Fast and the Furious because <laughs> it's not for me. Because <laughs> it's not for me. It's for everyone. Yeah. Well, I um I read the books before I watched the film, and the books mm-hmm. like I mean, books are obviously always better than the film. But don't be like my dad. My dad was like, so uh, I picked up one of them Millennium Trilogy books. I went, oh, all right, okay, sound. Which one? He went, uh, it didn't make any sense. He picked up the fucking last one, hadn't he? It's not going to make any sense, is it, Dad? <laughs> yeah, they're not for me. Right, okay, sound, Dad. That's great. Thanks for your input there. But no, um, if you get the chance, check them out. The only the Swedish ones, though, don't bother your hole with the um, David Fincher one because it was fucking pointless. <laughs> Okay. So after Stieg died, yeah. who picked up the the, the book series? Some fella, I don't, I, I, I didn't pay any attention because wasn't it? I think he'd dropped the last manuscript off that night, and then mm. he died. Yeah, I think that was the case. Didn't his wife do something on the rewrites or something like that? Yeah. I think she was involved in the the final um, the run of it. I, I can't remember now. Mm. But I know they did the same with the Bourne films. Someone else picked them up after the uh, the writer died, and apparently they dropped off a cliff as well. Oh, that's like the um, Hitchhiker's Guide stuff as well, because Owen Colfer picked it up and people bought it. Yeah. My husband bought it, and he was like, "No, it's fucking nah. dog shit." I'm, I'm not even going to pretend to try and read that shit. <laughs> if it's not Douglas Adams, it's not Hitchhiker's well, Guide. So what's the point? Of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're up to second place now. I, I really struggled with this one. I thought this was quite tough, the, the, the top two for me. But I've gone, I, I had two for this actor, and I've gone with Evelyn Abbott from A Quiet Place, played by Emily Blunt. Mm. It was a toss-up between this and um, Edge of Tomorrow. I can't even remember what the shitty American version of the title was, the live, repeat, die, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I thought A Quiet Place is such a good film. She's a character who manages to keep her whole family together whilst being heavily pregnant, being hunted by someone who can only hunt using sound. And she has to give birth to a baby with all hell breaking loose around her. And she manages to do it. I think it's such a great film. I think um, obviously Emily Blunt is married to John Krasinski, who was the director of the movie and starred in it. And I think they worked so well together. And I'm, I'm so happy that, Krasinski is doing the sequel as well, and obviously she's going to be back as the the, the main focus of the movie. I think it was such a good performance mm. with so much heart and warmth and love that you could literally see it on screen. It was superb. The whole family dynamics was excellent. I mean, I could quite easily have just picked the daughter as well mm. for a strong female lead because the kid mm-hmm. who played the daughter was incredible. I just think it's such a lovely movie about family dynamics set in the worst possible circumstances. And the Chekhov's gun, I've never seen anything quite as tense. Obviously, no spoilers, but yeah, the introduction of the Chekhov's gun, you just in on edge the whole movie from this moment you see it until the gun goes off, so to speak. Mm. So yeah, A Quiet Place, Evelyn Abbott for me. One of the um, very few films that people were actually deadly silent for in the cinema when we went to see no pissing about, no eating, hmm. no babies, um, nothing and nothing at all. Um, everyone was, like you said, everyone was on edge. It was, I can't wait. 
Are we, are we going into um, is a couple again for the second one? Or we, we're not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy to go. I, I really, really want to see that movie. Mm. Yeah, I, I didn't see the first one in the cinema, but I I imagine it was like when I saw Buried that once the yeah. film ended, felt like the first time I could breathe. Mm. Like it, I, I remember watching it at home. I think it was on Netflix, and it was just so tense. Yeah. So being in a darkened cinema, I could imagine, would be horrific. I remember feeling like that when I came out of the cinema watching Four Lions <laughs> because I, I genuinely didn't know whether I should be like going out and going, God, that was hilarious or like break out into tears because of how like yeah. sad it was and how and I, I had yeah. no idea how to feel. And I just remember being like, man, I can't remember the last time I felt like this about a film where I'm so conflicted. Mm. Um, and it took like a while to kind of shake that off and be like, oh, well, I just, I really enjoyed it. But, and yeah, I just remember it clear as day. I was with Tom, my mate Tom, and um, we were just like, oh, should we be laughing? Is it is it wrong to be laughing? Is, is it silly that I'm that I'm getting like worked up about rubber dinghy rapids and I'm getting upset <laughs> about it? And like, do you know what I mean? Um, but that, that, that's a sign of just excellent script writing and excellent performances, though. I guess that it makes you feel like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love Chris Morris who did that. Um, Obviously, the day to day and Brass Eye is one of the absolute best things on television that's ever been. Superb. He knows comedy really well, he but does. from that film, he also knows how to kick you in the bollocks. Mm. Yeah, that's what does, it was. You get that that pain in the gut, the pit of your stomach with it. I think, and yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. I still mm. haven't got round to the last film that he did, um, The Day Shall Come. Um, which looked like it was a similar sort of setup to that didn't get very good reviews though I don't think no I'm just looking on IMDb it's got a 5.9 but a 70 on the Metacritic so it looks like it was it split people but that's been on the list but because of those reviews I haven't rushed to get to it but I need to make a very quick sidebar before we move on you know how on the last week's episode I apologize for offending the Americans well I'm going to re-offend them now because I saw something on Twitter <laughs> yesterday and I just, God, it infuriated me. It was, um, uh, it was Endgame, top. I don't know why they played it, why they showed it twice because it made no bearing. One was like a camera footage of, of the cinema and one was the actual footage of the, of the film with the fan reaction as it's going on. And that can fuck off sideways it's on- if that's what goes on in American cinemas. Christ, mate, it's infuriating. I don't know how people can cope. I don't know how people do it. That's the clip from the um, the Marvel Universe what? trailer. Comic or something. It's, yeah, yeah. But that, that 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 clip that you're talking about, it's from the um, from the Marvel um, trailer. But yeah, it's it was from the premiere. That was. It's ridiculous. People should have a long look at themselves in the mirror if they're getting like that in the cinema because it's absurd. I bet you do it, Andy, don't you? I bet you're like one of them. <laughs> Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> yeah. it, it's got to be deathly silent in a cinema regardless of what is going on. He sat behind, he sat behind us. What film was it when we um, when we went? Joker. Yeah, and because I, I had food, he sat behind us. <laughs> I think I've only been to a cinema a couple of times where there's been a reaction and the first one was um, from dusk till dawn and it got a fucking st- round of a, a, st- a standing ovation from all the goths <laughs> and all of us who were there to watch it. Pussy, pussy, um, pussy. At that point. <laughs> no, just the, as the credits rolled. Um, and possibly a Star Wars. I don't know which one. 
Um, none of the fucking prequels. None of that. Rogue, shit. Rogue One, probably. Mm. These are the people that applaud when your plane lands because the pilots hasn't killed you. Has done his job properly. Yeah, they're they're they're, they're the same people. <laughs> Anyway, back to, back to the topic yeah. at hand. No, no I, I'm going to carry on on this sidebar. So, From Dusk Till Dawn, is that film overrated? No. I, I don't think it's that good a movie. I don't think the plot's that interesting. It's a very... There's just not enough story there. There's a bit of story, and then it goes to Nightfall, and then it's just action. I don't think it's that good a movie I, myself. I don't know. I think because it was like um, another... It, to me, because it starts off as an action film... And then it's halfway through, it's just, bam, it's a horror film. And I quite like that about it, because I didn't know what I was expecting. It was the same with when I went to see Jeepers Creepers, which I won't <laughs> go on about that anymore, because Victor <laughs> Sell was a massive fucking pedo. Um, yes. But I went to see that and didn't know what it was about. And then it, halfway through, it became this creature feature, and I fucking hated it. I was just like, <laughs> oh my God. Absolutely mm. hate it. No, I think from Dust Till Dawn's, you know, I, I think it's one of George Clooney's best roles. Truthfully, I've said that before, haven't you? No. <laughs> and uh, is, Matt, and um, Matt, please, Black Neil. Three Kings as well from the same. Oh, Three Kings is awesome. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Andy, I'm not going to back you up, but I'm going to say one thing. You know what I thought? I thought about you on my journey today to work. Right. Okay. Now, you know how me and Stu call you a hipster. <laughs> I yeah. I realised just how hipster you are uh, a couple of days ago. Right. And because I thought about this, you know, when we were talking about Shrek. And how like how good it is, or how bad it is, or we were talking about Shrek. And mm. I'm sure you use the word broad. It's too broad. And I thought, what's the most hipster thing Andy can be? <laughs> well, it's not good enough. It's it's too popular to use the word popular. So Andy would rather use the word broad <laughs> because no because no one else uses it. And no, that's how that, I know. <laughs> the comedy is broad that it tries to hit all bases. That. I prefer stuff that's a little bit more neat. Oh, I've, I've, I've got no issue with that, but you you're, you won't use the word popular because it's too cool. You just use the word broad instead. <laughs> but I'm not but wrong. I, but I love you for it, mate. Cheers, oh, That's okay. That's okay. Oh, right. Okay. Still, I still don't know uh, where, where are we? I still don't know how you take them trousers off sometimes, though, to be fair. It, it, looks, it, it looks like an ordeal. But... Skinnies are fine. You just roll them down. That's all you need to do. <laughs> That'll get them hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so number two is Stew, which we're going to be talking about slightly after. But Stew, who's your number two, please? Yeah, talking about talking about things inside things. Uh, yeah, it's Ripley. So we'll pass on. Cool. Uh, Matt, number two, please. Uh, I have gone for the wonderful uh, Francis, uh, well, Mildred Hayes, basically, from Free Billboards out of Ebbing, Missouri. Um, basically, this film holds a special place in my heart because I had absolutely no idea about it going into it. And I watched it on a plane to New York twice because of how much I enjoyed it. I finished watching it and I put it straight back on again because of how much I enjoyed the film. Now, as a character, um, I really like how someone takes absolute ownership of their flaws and doesn't apologize for the way that she feels and the way that she feels wronged and the, some of the things that she does whilst maybe shitty and end up causing someone quite 
grievous bodily harm. Um, mm. She's just someone that feels wrong and, and has the bollo- and has the bollocks to do something about it. No pun intended. And that's the whole point of it, really. Like it's something that it's something that goes above gender in this. It's it, it, it's not a case of her being a woman or a case of her not being a man. It's just somebody that has the strength to do something about feeling wronged. And I think she does it in such a great way that you can't help fear how strong she is because everyone's terrified of her because she's not going to take any shit. And I just love it. I think she's amazing in, in, in this performance. I know there's other films that, 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 um, that she's going to be known for. I don't know. Like Nomadland was, I haven't seen Nomadland yet, but you're quite, you, you were smitten on it, weren't you, Andy? Yep. It was good. Enjoyed it. Um, so I know there's other, there's other things that, that, um, she's been in that probably will maybe be more of a critical success of three billboards, but, it just struck something for me. I just thought it was a phenomenal film. I'll go back to it time and time again. It's like it still holds the same impact for me. Yeah, I mean, she was on my list as well. Yeah, I, I the only reason she didn't make it onto my list is because I was going to put Frances McDormand as the badass. Mm-hmm. She's been nominated for three Oscars for Fargo, Nomadland, and Three Billboards, and she has won three Oscars mm-hmm. for each mm-hmm. of those performances. And in each one, although they're very different. She's always the most brave, the smartest, yeah. the toughest cookie out there. Mm-hmm. That is, that's what she brings to the table. So I think she's a badass. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. just the characters, but yeah. that woman is incredible. But uh, yeah, Marge Gunderson from Fargo was also on my list as well. But... Mm. Yeah. Burn, burn after reading as well. A film that no one seems to, it just seems to be disappeared from ever. That was a great yeah. film. The Coen Brothers, isn't it? That mm. one, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. But she, I mean, she does comedy as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, she's a, an absolute stone-cold killer. She's just excellent in everything. So your number two, please, Tara. Um, so my number two is um, Mama from Dread. Mm. Yeah. Oh, class. Yeah, brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. So um, my husband's an enormous 2000 AD fan, an enormous Judge Dread fan. And um, he was involved in cosplaying dread and so he's been in a fan film and he got to go to a um a Lon- the, the london well, a smallish london premiere of it and so he's like all over it and i was just like oh don't want to watch it don't want to watch it don't want to watch it <laughs> and she's fucking brilliant like you know you could have um olivia thurlby as well like and and mm. she's great but mama she's like she's awful she's an awful person but you know she's been abused she's been wrong she's been raped she's been tortured and she's now the head of this crime syndicate that can just click her fingers and shit gets done mm-hmm. she's a really really good strong horrible character <laughs> but you didn't specify they had to be good people so no, no. absolutely <laughs> not <laughs> yeah i, I love uh, lena Hedda. i think she's fucking brilliant in everything and again she's another one who legitimately as a human being could be a badass mm. on this oh, list yeah, she's on she's on two mentions of mine as well yeah i mean i mean we've come now to the honorable mentions one of my mentions was going to be cersei lannister mm. is that one of yours Stu? yeah but it was actually um sarah connor chronicles a very forgotten series that no one saw mm. um she was better than linda hamilton in that for me um, mm. It's just brilliant, and uh, so sad that he, he just got canned where it did. As it was, it was obviously summer glow, summer glow curse. What do you expect? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So, but yeah, it was really underrated, really like, hidden gem, and she was superb in it. Obviously, before Game of Thrones as well. So, mm. had no clue she was English. Yeah. Um, mm. but yeah, it was a uh, very good. What was your other? My, my other ones were. Let's get this. Just get it up. Furiosa was actually on there. Um, mm. Anna from Frozen, not Elsa. Anna. Okay. The Tom, the, well, quote tomboy of the, the sisters, the one who does things, who's not scared of getting hands dirty, and not the typical princess that you expect in Disney mm. Disney or Pixar films. So I know we kind of seen that already entangled a few years before, but yeah, Anna, and obviously he was brought ahead with the uh, Coronation Street as well. When they were, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> not so yeah. what. When they were talking to um, Tyrone, and he, he was when they were asking him, his kids were asking about their stepmom to be. Oh, okay. People don't people listening to this don't watch Coronation Street. It's only me. Um, although to be fair, I have because I, I did say it was on my backlog. Uh, side tangent, and I'd, it was forty-seven episodes deep, and I thought I need to clear this off. I need to dedicate to, dedicate a week to it. So I've I've cleared through. I've got nine left now. Um, so, <laughs> I don't think that's something you should be advertising. Mate. So th- this week, other than obviously the, the suffering through the Wolves game on Wednesday, it's been it's been um, a whole week of watching Coronation Street. So it's about <laughs> seven, eight hours. Oh, and, that says absolutely horrendous. And so uh, Seb's just died. I was actually quite gutted. I thought, what? Broke my heart. I cried. I See? sobbed. But, you know. I don't even know these characters <laughs> talking about. <laughs> yeah. They got hate crimed. Yeah, for being goths. Well, oh, they did the. Um, they did that story. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, I, I read about this. To be fair, they did it really well as well. They worked with um, the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The mum runs it like a charity for mm. divert, you know, to raise awareness of hate crimes against um, people of the alternative community. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, any other honourable mentions, Stu, before I move on? Ray from Star Wars as well. Mm. Um, again, going in a different direction from what we uh, what we had in the originals and in the prequels. And yeah, when we when we a certain person's going to get mentioned anyway. But um, yeah, I just thought Ray was really good, especially in Force Awakens. Obviously, it went shit later, but I think Force Awakens as it as its own film was really good and really enjoyable and she was great I, in it. I thought she was good throughout even the ones that I didn't like so much I still thought she was a good character mm. in it I just think she was underserved in the final part yes I agree uh, Matt have you got any honorable mentions yeah I've got a couple um I wanted to go down well with honorable mentions I've, I've kind of put them as TV characters as opposed to film if that are we going to touch on that as a separate thing or is that cool to yeah, carry on with TV. I've, I've got TV as well. Yeah, so, I mean, I wanted to go down the lines of Michonne from The Walking Dead mm. um, on the line of someone that can do... When I say can do it all, I don't mean, like, Owen Hargreaves. I mean, like... <laughs> has, the, has, the, has, like... Like... You know, she's she's this absolute badass that walks the, walks the earth with zombies on leads. Uh, men as well which, you know, isn't done by accident. Mm. Um, and she's also uh, like a mother to um, 
to Rick's, uh, what's Ju- Judith? It's Judith, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that she's just everything that she does, she does it spectacularly and makes it look so effortlessly. I mean, I'm basing this on on the the TV show, not the um, not the graphic novels, which um, I own, but I don't own all of them. Um, and I just think that the way that they've portrayed her has just been such a breath of fresh air for that show that got so boring after the prison. Mm. Like it really is like a, I think it was, a, there was like a, a viral post that was, um, fuck sending nudes. I want to know at what point you gave up in the walking dead. <laughs> that was like, <laughs> that was like, that was like the thing. That was a thing. So I think she, I think she's excellent. And also, um, Kimiko from the boys. Yeah, yes. she's brilliant. Um, brilliant. I know. I know. Strong and silent is very is very much the in thing, like with like with Eleven um, in in Stranger Things. But there's something so like gentle and warm and um, sunshine and happiness and rainbows about her. But then in the next breath, she'll snap your neck and you know she'll snap your neck off. Um, and again, it's 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 uh, that's power. There's power there. There's power in having joy and and and, and seeing all the good things in the world, but then when that can be flipped in an instant, there's something gratuitous and and um, quite intimidating about it that I enjoy. I am. Um, I need to, there was one, I've, I've, I hadn't wrote it down on that one, but it was on, I'd screenshotted it. And it's um, Felicity Huffman's performance in Transamerica, if you've ever seen that. It's, no, it's, no, I haven't. Yeah, it's a pre-op transgender woman takes an unexpected journey when she learns that she fathered a son. Now a teenage runaway hustling on the streets of New York. So she's playing a male to female transsexual. And it's 2005 as well. It's not a recent film. It's it's buried into... I, I don't even know how I saw it. It was just one of them things. I don't, it was really quite powerful. And at the time as well, 16 years ago, talking about that kind of thing, very... Uh, it opens, yeah. opens your eyes a bit. I know we've, we've talked about this kind of thing on here before, but yeah, that's one of them that just no one ever talks about. Mm-hmm. I've added that to the list. I've not heard of that before. That sounds quite interesting. Tara, honourable mentions, please. Um, I've got Marion Crane from Psycho, so Janet Lee's character, um, because not least because she was set up to be the main character, and um, spoiler alert, she gets killed halfway through. Um, but she was supposed to be this like pristine like secretary, but she pulls a bank, you know, she she steals the company money and she's seen in um in have after having had afternoon delight with her lover in a black bra, which in nineteen sixty was really like risque. <laughs> um but no, she's pretty she's pretty cool and it's just a shame that, you know, she got bumped off. But for that, because that was, you know, that was for the time. Um, that was quite the role to play for a, a woman. Mm. And um, I'm going to break the rules. I'm sorry. Only <laughs> only the comic book version of Tulip O'Hare from Preacher. Only the comic book version. Ooh. Because I love Ruth Negger, but the Preacher TV series was terrible. And she was a dreadful, dreadful tulip. She was awful. It wasn't a lot. Like, Jesse and Tulip is a love story. And it wasn't, and I gave. We gave up, like they they messed up ass face. Joe Gilgan's accent was fucking. My parents are Irish, so I'm like that was a fucking dreadful accent. Ruth Nugget is brilliant. You know they're all as 
as an ensemble, they sort of worked, but they're better alone. But no, um, only comic book tulip. It hurts, doesn't it, Matt? It hurts. It here, hurts. here, <laughs> and here. <laughs> but then again, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't read the the, the comics, so I, it might, mm. be, this might be, you know, no, I might you, go, you might read to. them, and I might read them and go, oh, what a shambolic dis- display this was. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the comic book series is one of my favourite comic book series. It is brilliant, yeah. but I just have to have them as two separate things because they're, they're not the same characters. The comic book characters and the TV series—they're they're not the same. Well, they didn't need to fucking do it then. <laughs> <laughs> if but you're not going to, if you're yeah. not going to be true or be slightly true to the character, which they're not even—you know—she can shoot a bit. That's that. You know, it's not even. There was just no need at it. We tried. I tried, and then it was just. Why do we persist week after week? Because. It didn't get. It was just horrible. It was a horrible TV series. You know what? That it's a, you make a point there. That's why I haven't started reading American Gods because I really enjoyed the show. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Mm. But I don't want to then read the book or listen to the audio book and be like, oh man, they're really far off the mark yeah. with what the intentions were. And I kind of want to let Sleeping Dogs lie yeah. and just enjoy it for what I enjoyed it for. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. But it's just because um, my husband's an enormous comic book fan, and he made me read Preacher, and mm. I read it, and compl- like it's everyone's top f- in their top five, and just oh, it was such a disappointment. And I thought Seth Rogen could do better, and he fucking didn't. I, I think when I look at comic book to TV or film adaptations, they need to be different enough because. As someone who is very invested in the comic book world, they're never going to be able to do exactly what they've done. Mm. So make it your own thing. That's my problem with a lot of The Walking Dead is they never made it their own. They sort of followed it, but didn't really. Mm. And that's why it went off the rails once they got into the prison, because that's the best part of the book. And they just sort of semi-followed it. I think either follow it to a T or don't bother. Yeah. And I feel that Preacher didn't bother. And for me, I think it worked. It wasn't an adaptation of the book. It was just the characters had the same name. Yeah. But I will agree, Arseface was an absolute shambles. Yeah. They ruined his they character. They ruined his character. Yeah, that I will 100% agree with you on that. But yeah, get re- you should read it though, Matt, because it is written by the same guy who did The Boys. It's Garth Ennis. Garth Ennis, yeah. So you will if you watch, it. If you watch Natural Born Killers this weekend... I'll start. <laughs> I need to. I need to talk to you about it, and I'm, I'm waiting patiently. No, he's got to watch Matrix Two and Three first. No, there's only one no, Matrix. No, there's only one Matrix no. film. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. The Matrix Two. You're probably. hallucinating. It's, yeah. You've you've looked at yourself in the mirror with that ridiculous shirt on, shit, yeah. and you're hallucinating <laughs> yeah. about yeah. films that don't exist. Books are books. Not... TV is TV. Yeah. Films, games, all separate. Do your own thing. Doesn't matter. Yeah, all this Matrix 2 and 3, it's like when people spoke about there was a fourth Indiana Jones, but I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think that ever happened, that, no. did it? No, no, didn't happen. Didn't happen. <laughs> uh, so my honourable mentions, I've gone with Peggy Olsen from Mad Men. I love <laughs> Elizabeth Moss. Like I, I'm a bit obsessed with that. I think she's just brilliant in everything. She's also really good in The Invisible Man and Handmaid's Tale, which is coming back to TV screens 
she's a great actor. And even though Mad Men is about men and their uh, job within an ad agency, the story really is about her move from going from basically being an underling, working her way to the very top of a, a male um, infested organisation. It's just brilliant. And she's such a boss in it. She's superb. And the, her, the very end of her story arc had me in tears. She just played it all to an absolute T. She was brilliant. Uh, and the other one I've got is Juno. Mm. I, I, mm. I'm such a big fan of Elliot Page from way back. I think everything that he's been in has been absolutely superb. Obviously, know this is going to sound a bit dif- difficult, but we know the situation that's gone on. And he's no longer... He's a female to male trans. Person. It was a woman at the time, so it counts. Yeah. Um, so obviously the pronouns are going to be a bit weird when I talk about it. But when he was found out that he was pregnant, and then rather than just going into a funk and it being a story about abortion and everything, it was a story about coping with it as a young person and growing. And throughout the whole film, Juno always had a smile on her face. Like, I think it was such a really good representation of this horrible thing, which, especially independent cinema, they often like to show the shitty side of these things and not the the happy side, mm. the pleasant side. And I think that was a film that actually did that. It, like, it was a good, funny film about a tough situation. I think they did really well with it. But yeah, Elliot Page, again, is just one of those actors. In anything, I would always give it a chance. Oh, Hard Candy was brilliant in that. Yeah. I remember I saw it at the cinema and I was a little bit indifferent. I couldn't quite place it, but then saw it again a few years later. And actually, it's a really good performance. Yeah, superb. And the other one, no, couldn't make it onto my list because, and I've said this to you, Tara, I don't know if this character is the strongest person in the world or the weakest person in the world. And that would be Cassie from Promising Young Woman. Mm. They, She gives up her life on a... It's not even a rape revenge. It, she isn't the person who gets raped. It is her friend. She's avenging her friend, yeah. Yeah, but it's not vengeance that she's seeking as much as trying to point people's wrong ways. Mm. And she gives up her whole life for it. Yeah. And I can't tell if she does that because she's strong or because she's weak. And I, I think it's because I've only seen this film once and I think I need to revisit it. I think I need to watch it again. Yeah, but... I think she's either she would either be the, the number one if we did this again in a year's time yeah. or she would be the number one weakest female character. I can't quite place yeah. it, but I think she's a fascinating character. Oh, definitely. Carrie Mulligan yeah. was outstanding. Yeah, definitely. So that's the honourable mentions. Hang on. Hang on, Emily. I was absolutely convinced that there was two on here that I didn't even mention, so I thought it was guaranteed for you to say. One, being... <laughs> my, my comic book character... It was too easy for it to be Wonder Woman. It was going to be Hit Girl then, Maury. Well, I left her off because I thought Matt was going to say Well, I didn't want to channel my inner stew and have two children on my, <laughs> um, on my list. So I went with uh, Matilda instead. Yeah, I mean, Hit Girl is... Oh, she's such a absolute fucking superstar mm. at, at an age when she was what I think 12 or 13 yeah. when she did that role and she was the best thing in a film that was just chock full of top notch performances look 
just excellent. I mean, obviously, go back and listen to our kick-ass episode where we go into great depth on how much we love Chloe Grace Moretz's hit girl. So that's the honourable mentions and our five to two done. And we will go with our number ones. Now, me and Stu have got the same one. So, Stuart, who is our number one, please? Princess Leah Organa. It, it couldn't be anyone else, could it? Oh. To be honest. I mean, she's the baddest woman in the whole universe. Just incredible. From the early days of her... She was never eye candy, but she was the damsel in distress, wasn't she? That that was her role, I think, in Star Wars. It was to be the damsel in distress in the, the beginning. And then she's the one who ends up saving Han. Like, she she goes from being saved to being the saviour in the film. Actually, she's such a great character. Love Carrie Fisher. Like, she was such a cool human being as well. Absolutely adore. Yeah, the whole gold bikini was two films in. you raising your eyebrows there, Tara, Andy, saying that she was now eye candy. But no, she wasn't to start with. And obviously you had the kind of the weird incest thing. that eh, No one cares about that. Just let's gloss over it. Um, but, but that's 70s, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it was easy for me. I, mean, I thought with the, um, the, the whole Ripley thing, I thought that was, well, as is proved the case that someone has picked at least one person has picked it um but yeah for me leah was nailed on just for the the same reason we said about lara and pretty much everyone on this list that it's it's a, a character that's not could have been played by a man and is that a strong woman i don't know but it's not a stereotype so that's got to be a positive in some way <laughs> backhanded compliments i suppose but you know what i'm getting at that it's not a it's something out of the ordinary, and especially for 1977, there ain't much of that around. Now, I imagine, like when I think of old school sci-fi, it is always about the guy saving the girl. Mm. And this was the one time when, after that initial introduction of the character, and even though they saved her, she set the seeds by giving the message to Artie. Yeah. So she saved herself, really. She was not just there because she was weak. She knew how to get herself out of prison. I just thought she was great. Really just such a phenomenal character. And the legacy that character has had. I mean, you see it now. I mean, obviously when Carrie passed away, everything that came out of it, what an incredible human being she was, was just superb. Mm. And people realised that actually she was, she was Leia in real life, not just on the big screen. So that's why she's loved and adored. Mm. And that's why we're still talking about her. In 2021, when the film was 18, 1977. Brilliant. So, Matt, your number one, please. It it could only be Ripley, and I, I know that we uh, we try to avoid the really shamefully obvious, but I couldn't have anything else. Um, the the standard bearer for strong female leads for me, and I know that like in 2021, like the the symbolism of alien and this uh xenomorph popping out of a chest being you know the most terrifying thing that could ever happen you know in the world you know and the parallels to like childbirth and everything else it's it's so painfully obvious now but symbolism back then you know it, it was a different thing but only only Sigourney Reaver's Whipley, Whipley, Jonathan Wass. Only, <laughs> only her. I think uh, you've watched the wrong version of Alien here. I know. I have. Only, um, only Ripley could have 
like the queen in her and have the strength to harvest the queen of uh, alien there. And, and it's one of those things where if someone had just listened to the intelligent woman, none of the shit would have happened. If only someone had just listened to someone that was (laughs) probably not being listened to when the time period that this film was being made, when women didn't have the same voice that they have now, but still don't have at this point. If people would have just listened to the intelligent person, regardless of their gender, shit wouldn't have hit the fan. And I think that message is just as important now as it is then. Um, And I just think, you know, again, like Mad Max, she's not sexualized. She runs around in her skimpies, but it's not even done in a way to be like, oh, well, we're going to give you a bit of titillation for now because it's not not done in that way. Mm. She's just... Everything that I'm going to say has, has, has been said before, but when you talk about badass, you're talking about strength, wit, determination. And then you've got all the symbolism around like that she is toe-to-toe with the aliens and she is as strong and powerful and terrifying as the xenomorphs. It's just the fact that she's a badass woman. Um, mm. I just think all the things that came after her as well that is that is modelled on Ripley um, is so painfully obvious as well. And it wouldn't like the advances in female roles wouldn't be the same without this character and Sigourney Weaver's performance for me. Mm. She was, I mean, Sigourney Weaver. She, oh, sorry, sorry she on, was sorry. written, that character was written as a man. I didn't know that. Yeah. And um, yeah, originally written as a man, but Sigourney stepped in and outmanned everyone. I couldn't imagine anybody else no, in that role. I couldn't. Like, it's actually perfect for her. And then she's gone on to make an, a career out of playing the, the toughest fucker in any room mm. in the film. Like, Ghostbusters, she was a strong, strong person in that. Like, you were genuinely quite terrified of her. She was brilliant. Yeah, she's and great then, in uh, The Cabin in the Woods as well. The director, yes. yeah, Cabin in the Woods, yeah. Excellent. And um, True Lies with Arne. <laughs> Superb in that movie. Like, I mean, it's a bit schlocky, but she is great in it. And, yeah, I, I do. I'm a big fan of uh, Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Excellent career of, of just playing badasses. Yeah, you, you couldn't imagine like Judge Reinhold in that role, could you? <laughs> I can't imagine him in any role now. <laughs> oh, I don't. You know, he's um... in the state of him. He's like, he's. I know we can't exactly only exactly talk about the state of people, but he's. Uh, it looks like he's been uh, a slave to the knife, so to speak. Oh, really? Oh, I'm gonna have to have a look. He looks terrible. <laughs> I know Mickey Rourke looks fucking awful. I mean, he's always looked awful. He it's was just, he was a beautiful man. Caught up with him. He was a beautiful man in the eighties before he got all that shit done to his face. Sorry. <laughs> well, I say a bit Ripley though. I mean, it was a woman operating machinery as well in the seventies. Mm. Because you got to think about the power load. I mean, I presume that you had one. I did. A what? No. The power loader toy? The the suit? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't have that suit. Well, not a real one, but the, no, the no, toy. I didn't have the toy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't have the toy. That's what I mean. Like that's the only reason. Like I don't think she made it on my list. Is I'm not as au fait with this film series as Matt. I've seen them all, but probably only seen them all maybe once or twice. Mm. Whereas I've seen all the ones I've mentioned. I watch at least yearly. Well, I just finished uh, Rivers of Pain, the Audible original. Um, which is set between Alien and Aliens. And uh, Laurel Lefkow plays Ripley. I swear to Christ, she is 
a clone of Sigourney Weaver's voice. It sounds so much like her, it's ridiculous. I don't even know if it's intentional, but I, I, I can't separate the two. It's ridiculous. If you're into Alien and you haven't and you want to get into audiobooks and you don't know where to start, listen to one of these. Honestly, like the production value is unbelievable. They're really, really good. So um should have a listen. Have you um have you played Alien Isolation? I have. I have. I I think it's aged really badly. Yeah, that's a problem with it. Really badly. Like I never played it at the time and like it was always one of those like, oh, you've got a, a surround sound system. You should test out, test it out on Alien Isolation because it's so immersive. But um, I, I was really late to the party, and now it's aged pretty badly. Yeah, it, it was very much of its time. It's a bit like mm. um, Spec Ops: The Line. If you know what I mean, I can talk about that game as much as possible. I mean, it's not on. You can buy it on uh, backwards compatibility on Xbox, but. Not on PS4 or 5, obviously. Um, but I've still got it on PS... That's one of the reasons I want my PS3 still hooked up, because I can play that game on there. Mm. And it looks like shit now, obviously, because it's a PS3 game. <laughs> but at the time, it was wonderful. Mm. It's interesting with Alien, because up until the fourth one, was that Requiem? Resurrection. Uh, Resurrection. 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 Oh, I get confused. I've Yeah. Um up until then, it was very much just the films. But then since that film onwards, it's sort of spanned out into other media. So you've got the games, you've got the books, you've got the audio books. Even the comic book series is like mm. really highly regarded as well. So like the last 20 odd years or so, it's just grown and grown. Well, I've been pretty pretty critical of Prometheus and Covenant on this podcast in the past. Mm. Just because I didn't feel... I'm not going to go into it again. But what I have found out <laughs> is I'm going to the Isle of Sky in uh, July. I'm a poet and I didn't know it. And they filmed um, some of the scenes out of Prometheus at the Old Man of Store, which I didn't know. Oh, so that's cool. going to be quite cool to go see it in the flesh. Yeah, cool. The sky's beautiful. You'll love it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I I have ambitions of recording like some of the podcasts there, but I just don't think I can rely on the technology. <laughs> so I'll have to step out for that week. Uh, so your number one place, Tara. Okay, see, I was under the impression that we couldn't have Ripley for some reason because <laughs> it would have been her. So I ditched that completely and it's um, Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode in Halloween. The nice. original mm. babysitter come um, badass woman uh, in the first proper slasher film. And it's not even my favourite. Like Halloween's not like my favourite horror film is uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street. But I couldn't have Nancy because she's not she's she's a bit wet. Whereas mm. Laurie starts out as being a bit wet, and then like she fucking bosses it at the end, and then she goes through so much. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the the latest Halloween movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, she's great in that as well. A bit, um, a bit. Uh, she's like a prepper in it, um, but yeah, so it's kind of made her go a bit mental. Understandably, if you're being stalked by the shape, a man in a bad, <laughs> in a terrible, terrible William Shatner mask. But um, yeah, she, she's she's brilliant. She's just to go from again. It's it's I guess it's like the the shy retiring like Carrie, going from sort of being nothing into just becoming this badass. 
And that's that's mm. what I quite like because that's how I see myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I had no idea that that was actually what that mask was until the new one came out last year. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, had, I lived my whole life without knowing that fact. <laughs> I think at this point it'd be scarier to be actually stalked by William. Hunt, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Good. Have you um? Have you got his album though? You should have asked Tom about this when he was on. Um, William Shatner's songbook. Yeah, and we've got that. And we've got, there was a double one that was, I used to work at Forbidden Planet in Coventry. And we had the CD, which was uh, both Shatner and Nimoy. So it was like in the Spurs. So like it's got um, wow. Leonard Nimoy singing Bilbo Baggins and stuff. It's brilliant. It's so good. His cover, um, Shatner's cover of Common People, I quite like. <laughs> Except for he doesn't do the high, like the singy bits. He gets someone else yeah. to do that. Yeah. Well, fair play, see, at least you're having a go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was exactly who I thought you were going to go for anyway, to be honest. Oh, really? I thought you'd have gone with them. Um, because knowing that you're a horror fan, I, I don't, I think when it comes to horror, she is probably the, the archetype of the final girl. Mm. There were probably ones before her, mm. but I think whenever you think of the final girl now, she is first and foremost oh, the, yeah, she the iconic. Is. So yeah. I, I assumed you'd have gone for her knowing your your penchant for horror movies. It'd be her or um, Felissa Rose in uh, Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you get round to watching Sleepaway Camp when you uh, went camping, Matt? Uh, no, because um, I told you we went, we went on a charity shop binge, didn't I? Yes, yeah. So basically we bought, um, that's when we bought, series of unfortunate events mm. um, because it was like 50p and I thought a 50, 50p wasted is, uh, is only 50p wasted. I ended up actually really enjoying it. So no regrets. Mm. You need to watch, both of you two need to watch Sleep Away Camp. Yeah. It is incredible. It's great. You t- was it you that told me to watch Into the Wild? Not me, no. Oh, I thought, um, maybe it wasn't then. I don't think I've seen, I've seen it on uh, Netflix. Uh, it was on, and I thought, oh, that's the one that Andy told me to watch. And uh, like, I'm glad, I'm glad I haven't started it because I felt I'd gone, Andy, that was really shit. And then it was uh, like, <laughs> and you never recommended it altogether. Then no, no, that's fine. I don't think I've seen Into the Wild, but I know what it's about, and it sounds really wanky. It sounds really fucking really boring. Reviews. It does, and I thought, yeah. well, that's why I thought Andy would like it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's that kind of independent arty farty thing. But it sounds too much even for me. Mm. I, I know it's, what the ending happens. So I know happens what happened. Ending, and it just puts me off. Because yeah. it's a true just, story, isn't off. it? I don't know. I, I know it's based on a book. Mm. That's all I know. Andy yeah. does, loyal listeners, Andy does have a lot of um, credit in the bank for Peanut Butter Falcon. So he's still spending that as far as I'm <laughs> concerned because that was excellent and I, I absolutely loved it. I mean, in fairness, like even when I recommend bad films, I will say they're bad. <laughs> but I'll still tell you to watch them because they, they've usually got a seed of fun in there. If yeah, yeah. Mm, definitely. But yeah, like Sleepaway Camp is hilarious. It is. Like it, It's not supposed to be funny, no, it's obviously. Not. It's really not. But, um, but don't don't is. Google it. Don't Google because don't just don't just watch it and yeah, then yeah. come back to it. Yeah. Going blind. That's what I did. And yeah, it's well worth it. So yeah, Matt, that's that's yours for the weekend. And I'm going to try and get natural born killers in. Probably Good. on Sunday. Good stuff. Because we are recording pre-Eurovision and I have to watch that. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you hear Italy's. Then you'll thank me. 
for badgering you for. I know it's not me doing it, and you've been, you've been told to. Um, but <laughs> you're, an, you're on a promise, or you're under instruction. Um, but yeah, Italy, well worth it. It's brilliant. It's really good. I was gutted because um, I wanted uh, Iceland to win last year, and then of course it didn't go ahead. And the song they've put out, it's not as good as their song from last year. And then one of their bands tested positive for COVID, so they can't perform anyway. Another, they could always put Yaya Ding Dong in there, obviously, but. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I only heard oh, the Italian Christ. one this morning, and it's like I completely switched allegiance from I. I've sent to support Iceland in most things, um, but yeah, I've switched allegiance now. Mm, great, <laughs> 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 but this will all be old news to the listeners by the time this comes out, anyway. But yeah, so that is our top five strong female leads all recorded next week. As we previously mentioned, that we needed a break away from Cage. So we're actually going to Las Vegas and we're going to be with the Army of the Dead. That is Zack Snyder's latest, I'll say Phil, um, that was released on May the 21st. It's available on Netflix. I'd say it's worth a watch, so give it a watch and then join us on the podcast next week for that one. Let us know your thoughts on what you think of that movie. Uh, So for this week... It's just time to do the normal business. So if you can make sure that you've got us on your podcatcher, whether you subscribe or follow or whatever the fruit-based product tells you to do this week. <laughs> if you make sure you've got us on the Twitter at CageFightingPod and any emails to CageFightingPod at gmail.com. Tara, thank you very much for joining us this week. Oh, it's we been have a pleasure. Thank you very presence. much for inviting me on. We'll have to have you on for a normal question cast when we just do our normal shooting the shit. Okay. Sounds like a plan. So, for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, guys. Look after yourselves. I was going to do my... I was going to try my Clarice impression again. But <laughs> I'll, leave I'll leave that for the... for the. Uh, I won't people, let people suffer again. If pussy days of it then. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Stu, would you like to say goodbye? I'm not doing any rem- anything, even remotely women based or women quotes i was just saying by so i know what's going to happen i'll get in trouble and let's just keep it simple and enjoy yourselves tara <laughs> tara would you like to say goodbye i will do the goodbye that i do at the end of the killing which is love you bye <laughs> and it's goodbye from me and remember be excellent to each other <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,